You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today, special episode at the request of a special friend. Our listener, Katie, has reached out and said, hey, can you guys do an episode specifically about all the things you need to be thinking about when you're moving from an apartment, and I think in her case, a large apartment complex, but we can kind of do it generally, uh, to your first home. So above and beyond some of the first-time home buyer stuff, she's listened to a lot of our episodes. So Katie, this one is for you, and I didn't need to dial in a new expert because I've got one sitting right in front of me, Jen, who's owned apartment complexes, owns a bunch of rental houses. So, hey, Jen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, everybody. (laughs) So great to be with you. And Katie, thank you for this request. This is an excellent um, example of how we love to educate our consumers. So we really just want to help you understand what this journey looks like and take the mystery out of it for you. Hey, and for all your listeners who I know we've had some of our clients as guests on and they go, like, they're giving all their clients the opportunities. Katie's not actually a client. So Katie had found a really good realtor. Actually, what, what I've heard, she's at a business associate of my wife's, and what I've heard is is that in listening to our podcasts, she recognized that her realtor was a good one. So kudos Yay! to you, Katie. We're glad you found a good realtor. That's incredibly important. But here we go. Apartments, right, to the future, to the, to, uh, to the future and beyond. When we, when we started talking about breaking down, like, w- what would we talk about? We realized that there were probably sort of three areas, and chronologically they come into the um, um, understanding what it is you need to do to get out of your apartment lease, whatever it is, and some of the things that you need to be looking at and being concerned with. And then the second thing was, like, how long is it going to take me to get into a home? Right? What, what are, what's typical? And that varies, but we can kind of – paint that, paint a picture for you. Sometimes that's really the first question you have to ask. We'll wait and talk about it sort of in the middle of the segment, but you probably need to figure that out to start determining when do I trigger all these things about getting out of the apartment. Yeah, we don't want you to end up homeless. Right, <laughs> exactly. And then lastly, that piece, the um, what, what are some of the concerns specific to people who haven't owned homes before that we want to make sure that they're paying attention to uh, as they move into their homeownership journey. All right, so let's jump right in. I think the easiest question to answer is, uh, or at least the most pressing question is, um, when? how do I get out of my lease? We're going to assume to start with that we're doing this when my lease expires as opposed to trying to get out early. We can talk a little bit about that. But um, what are some of the things I need to do just as my lease expires and I'm ready to not live here anymore, so I don't want it to re-up. Well, let's start with finding your lease, right? Whether that's an electronic format or whether you've got a paper copy of that thing, you're going to want to dig that out and run through that just to make sure that you have a good, clear understanding of your future, your cost, and more importantly for this question, what kind of notice do you need to give? Because if you're currently renting a property and you're looking at buying a property, you're going to either need to give a 30-day written notice, a 60-day written notice, or 
somewhere in between there, right? So it could be even a 45-day notice, but you're going to want to look at your lease to find out what that is. And typically in the state of Missouri and similarly in Kansas, you have to give a 30-day minimum notice from the first of any given month. And that's pretty much textbook with a lot of different things. But again, read that lease because what is in writing and what you have signed is going to be gospel in this process. So you just want to understand that and you want to comply with that because it can potentially affect your mortgage because the mortgage company or lender, whoever you're going to be borrowing your money from, could call and check on this particular instance. And so you want to make sure that you satisfy that lease. And obviously we want to treat other people like we want to be treated. So you want to give them as much notice as possible and just take care of all the things that you've contractually agreed to take care of. Right. So now on the flip side of that, on the CYA side, in case you have um, a, a landlord who maybe isn't as excited about your first time home purchase as they should be because they know that you're doing great things for yourself and your future. Um, even if your landlord says, oh, OK, yeah, I've got it written down. Don't worry about it. Worry about it. Well, I always recommend a certified return receipt notice. And I know the mail is not what it once was. However, when you do this type of mail, uh, knock on wood, I have yet to have it not get to where it's supposed to go to because it, you're paying more for it. And this is what we would consider almost a legal form of notice. It's not necessarily a textbook. It's not, you know, a special process server, for example. <laughs> but you have a proof. So beyond your normal email, beyond your normal text message, and even beyond if you have a portal with an apartment complex, beyond all of that, I would just recommend sending a notice certified return receipt that you get some sort of proof that someone has received this notice just to cover your own booty. Of course, the other way to do that, if you're told an email is okay, um, and so we do this a lot in real estate, is uh, we ask for, could you respond to the email confirming that you've received it? That would So if, if you believe that that's okay or if you're a landlord um, or um, you know the service that runs the apartment, the management company, if they say an email is fine, when you send the email, say, please uh, reply with confirmation that you've received this email. Absolutely. And so since we're talking a little bit about timelines, we did a little bit of research for this particular episode. And one of the places that I was doing some research said that this particular process can take up to five months. And so when we're looking, not your specific notice premise, but say you start looking online trying to find a home, okay? You're going to look, you're going to shop, you're going to window shop, if you will, right? All the pretty houses could be all different varieties of price ranges, could even be out of your price range. You're just window shopping, right? A lot of what I read said that this particular um, thing could start up to five months before you actually make a move. And obviously, if you just start looking at homes on realtor.com tomorrow or wherever your preferred method of looking is, you don't want to give your 30-day notice right then and there. <laughs> so we would encourage you not to give your 30-day notice right then and there, or 60-day notice, whatever it happens to be, because there's a lot more steps in this process before we get to the actual notice that you're going to want to give. So don't run out and do that. We want you to buy a home, but we also don't want you to end up homeless. Sure. And and whatever that notice window is, um, we'll, we'll continue to sort of work backwards from it. The other thing to be aware of is many leases, not all of them, but will have an automatic lease extension. Sometimes that will be a 30-day extension. Sometimes that will be a full year extension. So you, when you're reading the lease, you'll want to understand what happens if you don't say, I'm trying to get out of this lease, I, you know, here's my ex of days notice. So be aware of that. Before we get off the leases, there's one other thing that's going to come into play, which is money. And more or, or sort of the broad picture of that is uh, not just how much money you have in your pocket, but which payments do you have to make? 
And again, your lease is going to be your guide of this, which is why you need to go look at it. But don't make the assumption because you've made a, a deposit that that's going to apply as your last month's rent. That's almost never the case. And so you need to be aware of if you paid first and last, how that how they deal with that. Do they still expect a last month rent and then they're going to reimburse it to you? That all should be outlined in the lease. And then what are the conditions for getting your deposit back? And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But you need to get into the lease to find that out. There is no hard and fast rule. Different places are going to have different requirements. But frequently, of course, you're not going to get pet deposits back almost ever. And that should have probably been what they told you at the very beginning. And then we'll, we'll talk through some things about getting as much of your um, uh, security deposit back as possible. But before we get to there, because I'm trying to do this chronologically, although I think we're failing already, um, you mentioned that you know this process from you know soup to nuts might take about five months. And that's from like when I'm beginning to think about it. And you mentioned going out and doing that window shopping. There's something incredibly important you need to do during that window shopping, which is to understand what your budget can afford. Absolutely. So we love to refer to our trusted lending partners. And the reason is so that we can get a pretty good amount for your pre-approval letter, meaning what price of home are you actually able to afford comfortably? So, you know, it could be 200, 300,000, whatever that number is. Before you just start jumping off the cliff, you like to know what your budget is because honestly, you may or may not like what that entails. And some people may like to stay where they're at, save some more money and try and up that number before they actually go out and purchase that home. So you want to see what your options are going to be before you jump completely into that. Right. I mean, you know, I'm going to get out of this lease. So by golly, I'm going to do it in four months when this lease is up and I'm going to buy a house and, and I'm envisioning the Taj Mahal. And instead, I can afford a two bedroom shack in, in, uh, in, a, in a not a well kept home. And you're like, I'd, why would I move to that? So, um, and you might, you might go, hey, this is an investment property. I can fix it up while I live in it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not downplaying anybody who chooses to Everybody's do that. home journey looks different and whether they're going to fix it up or whether they need one but, that's existing in good condition, we just have to figure out what that right. looks like so that we can have clear future. And you need to be aware of what it is you can afford to make sure that's what you're wanting to move into. And Absolutely. so that, that's an early part of the process. And we would have told said that for anybody, whether they're coming from an apartment or not, which is. Yeah, get pre-qualified. You know, once you find your trusted real estate agent, you've done your interviews, you've talked to myself, Eric, and five other realtors or three other realtors or two other realtors for that matter, and you've decided on that, they're going to refer you to a trusted lending partner if you don't have one. And that is critical critical in your home journey, no matter whether you're coming from an apartment or you're coming from another home for that matter. Okay. So I've kind of gone through some of that diligence. I've looked at my lease and I know that X number of days out, I'm going to want to give notice. Uh, I know what's going to happen in terms of payment wise. And we'll talk about first payments on a new house here in a minute. But now I'm kind of to that window of, well, I need to know how long it's going to take me to find a house or at least vaguely understand that process because I need to know when to start, when to start getting formal with this. When do I actually start looking? Because do you have a crystal ball today, Eric? I, uh, close. I, I, yeah. Close. I, so, I, I mean, if you start looking way too early, uh, then you're not going to be comfortable making offers in a standard time window that most people will take. Uh, if you start looking way too late, then you're going to be limiting your choices. 
And uh, you might live in your car for a temporary period of time. Right. Or or maybe or a hotel room or whatever the case may be. Or with mom and dad, which might even be worse, right? So There you go. Yeah, you really want to hone in on that. Um, and especially in this aggressive seller's market, it is challenging to be a buyer. So you really want to make sure that you're on those timelines that you familiarize yourself. But typically, someone would accept an offer in a 30 or a 45-day window maximum. And then there's a lot of other steps in that process that would lead to giving your notice, so forth and so on. But typically that 30 to 45 day window of when you're going to be able to set that closing and possession out is going to be pretty textbook once you've dotted all the other I's and crossed all the other T's. So let me clarify that with people. It is, I've put in an offer on a house and the offer has gotten accepted and a standard window of when I can actually get the house. It's not the 30 minute HDTV. It's 30 to 45 days later and you'll be able to pick that date well, theoretically, the seller kind of tells you right now, but yes, well, <laughs> you'll know within reason. You'll be able to negotiate that date. And there are closes that can happen quicker. There are closes with loans that can happen quicker, but your lender is going to have to sign off saying, I can probably do that in you know, three, you know, know, three, in 25 days as opposed to 30. Uh, I certainly wouldn't put down a close earlier than 30 days without a lender's approval. No, and, and most of them won't even accept it right now with all the craziness going although on. I have had one, my recent one. They were way ahead of the game. So we because the interest rate is slowly trickling up, the massive refries that flooded the market aren't as bad in terms of for the lenders. So and so that helps them with their volume. Their volume, yeah. Mm, yes. The the uh, the second thing is is that um, negotiating a date longer than forty or forty five days is is hard, not impossible. 60 is kind of where they tap out. Yeah. I mean, a tap out for your lock of your interest right, rate is pretty then, much a tap out at 60 days. And we see those, gosh, I mean, I've been in real estate 20 plus years now. And the number of times I've done a 60-day closing, I can count on both of my hands. I mean, and probably not actually 10. So there's not a ton of people that do 60-day closings. Right. It's just not as customary. Happens once in a great while. And it can be, um, other than new construction, which obviously gets pushed out much further than that. But as a rule, it's not really very common. So that's half of that discussion, which is once you get an offer that's accepted, you're and looking- you're past inspections or you've decided you're not in that boat, then- Well, you're, you're looking at approximately 30 days. There's still the Absolutely. standard hurdles of getting past inspections and appraisal that occur, but you're looking at approximately a 30-day-ish window. Now, the crystal ball part of this is how long is it going to take me for to find an appropriate home that I'm comfortable to put an offer on and- And I get it. And I get it. Prior to that 30-day window, that's the that's the sort of really hard part. Uh -huh. um, and I can tell you that in and, and I think we should only take the last year to 18 months. Going back beyond that is is to be honest, not not, not cutting edge. Well, it's not helpful because the market is so different now than it's ever been. Exactly. Uh, but to give you an idea, and, and uh, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions here, is is that as a first time home buyer moving from an apartment, you're probably not buying a four and five hundred thousand dollar home. If I'm if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I apologize, Katie. If I'm wrong, I'm, I apologize. Um, but I, I, you know, so if you're looking at something, and let's call it in the 180 to 280 range, which is a wide range, and it'll be tougher at 180 than it will at 280. But they're they're all pretty strong markets in terms of affordable housing, and lots of people want to look in those price ranges. My personal experience in the last year has been, um, the the 
shortest was uh, first offer, second weekend of looking, uh, accepted. That was the shortest. And the longest was uh, 13 offers over a period of approximately 11 weeks until one got accepted. So uh, that is, what, two weeks to 11 weeks is my personal experience. Well, and then we have one that I know of specifically that's still kind of quasi looking and it's different when you already have a home that you live in I'm because about, the motivation yeah. level is very different if you're comfortable where you're at and you're thinking oh i do want to move but well and i'm talking um, about in this price range with people that were had to move committed to moving for whatever reason yes. yeah so and then my personal i'd say the average was people are probably looking three to four weeks if they're serious and out looking pretty regularly with anything that comes into market now what's been your experience in the last year or so in the Man. let's call it um under five, under four, um, in terms of how long people were looking at again, limit it to just the people that were, you know, um, motivated to move for whatever reason. I have not had a lot of people have to go beyond the second or third offer. Matter of fact, I'm not sure besides myself personally buying investment properties that I've had to have any of my clients go beyond that. Um, so you know, three offers within the first two weeks, we've been able to be pretty successful. Um, on that top tier price range, you have a lot more, you know, flexibility when you get in those higher price range, you have less buyers. So you have more success on the first offer right. than you do on a lot of the other ones, because those listings have been on the market. Um, but in that, we'll say 300 and under, you know, I like three strikes, so I like to keep it under being out, if you will. <laughs> and I like to have baseball analogies, and I think I've used those on the podcast before. But, you know, you've got to be prepared to strike out in this market. But I sure try like heck not to have a strikeout. Yeah. I mean, we try to counsel people to, you know, our best understanding of the market. I tell people, yes, when we give you a – when you ask us, like, what do you think – it's definitely a guess. The theory is it's an educated guess. In our case, I don't think that it is. Um, now, I'll have a lot of clients that have looked at, I'll say, 50 houses and only made an offer on three, and that's where I'm getting that from. Right. Because we decide, looking at the house, yes, I love this house, but I don't love it enough to probably have to be as aggressive as I'm going to have to be to get it. And what, we acknowledge that. What kind of time frame do you think like is an average time frame? Not number of offers, but for the again, the people that are committed to moving, how long are you typically working with them in these price ranges? I think 60 days is pretty... That they're getting something done within, within two months. Within We're two getting months. something done within two months. So, now we've got to be ready to look at our houses. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be all those things. And so every weekend we're out hunting, right? And maybe we decide to make that offer because we're going to be really aggressive or maybe we don't. Maybe we wait and we're saying, oh, okay. But I think within 60 days, we're having pretty good success with that. So if I were a listener trying to figure this out, here's what I think I just heard is if I want to give myself enough time to find the right house – I need to really start looking 90 days-ish before my lease is up. And if you can be financially prepared in an apartment, which we highly advise, you know, make sure you're as debt-free as possible. All of these things that you can do to prepare yourself. And obviously, cash is king. So the more cash that you can have on hand, the more comfortable you're going to be in this process. But when we start looking at that, if you can overlay and pay an extra month for your move, 
gosh, you're going to feel so much better about this right. process. Now, we realize that that's not realistic for every client because money is hard to come by probably these days more than ever. You well, know, it wasn't inflation, realistic for me for a lot of years. Well, inflation's so. a real thing right now, too, right? We're yeah. dealing with the massive craziness of um, – Hopefully post-COVID soon. We'll say hopefully post-COVID soon. But anyways, when we're looking at that, overlaying that 30 days is super helpful if we can do it. But if we can't, you just have to really, that's where, you know, people that are renting from me, gosh, guys, I really try and treat people like I want to be treated. And I am so lenient when people are moving with our company because I know that this experience is stressful being on the other side. That's where being a realtor and a property provider really is advantageous to the person more so. And, you know, even shortchange my myself sometimes on this, but a lot of times if you're moving from a big apartment complex, they don't have that flexibility, but you can always ask, is it possible for me just to pay for an extra seven days? That's, you know, if you can do that even, that's going to give you that much more breathing room and probably that's money well spent. All right. So let's, let's first of all, make that super clear. What Jen's talking about when she's talking about a 30 day overlay is essentially do you have the financial capability for one month to make both your house payment and your apartment payment? That's the question that gives you this flexibility. But let's let me speak to like my friends, right? Who who typically aren't going to be able to do that, right? So or or me more than or the a, majority of people in general, or me we more know than a that, year or two I'm, ago, mm-hmm. and, and and so um, the the here's the 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 game or the trick or the process, which is when you put an offer on a house. Um, 99% of the time, your payment is not due the first of the month after the closing date. Uh, So if you close, we'll just take the 15th of the month. If I close on January 15th, my payment is not due February 1st. It's due March March 1st. So you can pick closing dates right after. Now, your closing costs will go up because you're paying- Prepaid interest. You're paying some interest and whatnot. But in terms of that full house payment, um, it's not there. And so you can manipulate that uh, in terms of offering to say, hey, I'd like to close on the 5th or the 4th or whatever. And you're not going to have a house payment for another 50 some odd days. So it's a, you know, a month plus is typically typically what you're going to look at with a house payment. The other thing is uh, the, the other theory that some people have is, well, if I'm in this window and I have to give 60 day notice, I'll just give it. And then if I don't find a house... There's a downside to that, which is particularly in large apartment complexes, if you go, oops, I made a mistake and I need this for another month or whatever, they're not going to most likely play ball. They've probably already got it leased. Well, and in this market, the rental market is as aggressive as the sales market in the Kansas City area. So I can almost guarantee you that they can't let you stay, which is, like I said, I, I try and counsel people on my side of property providing on that exact thing, but I try and tend to have a little more flexibility and I don't rent the properties out from underneath them for this specific purpose because I know it happens. So so the good news is for most people have a 30-day notice. Most That's the most common on leases. And that if you are putting your closing approximately 30 days out, even if that's mid-month and you have to give notice on the 1st, you can do that, and because of the way the new house payment's coming in, you would not have overlapping payments. And as a matter of fact, what you'd probably end up having is whatever the balance of that month, again, if we use bid month, you'd have the two weeks to vacate. 
uh, and get out. And that, that's, that's really nice if you don't have to necessarily move on one day because I've done it both ways. And let me tell you how, how nice it is to be able to have the time, all the time you need. Now, we've kind of hammered that through, probably beat it, beat it to death in terms of- Pretty important though. It is. Now let's go back to I've done all of this and now I'm getting ready to leave my apartment and there are deposits. So let's talk through some of our known, uh, our, our, uh, our backgrounds or our experiences are telling us what's the best way to try to maximize getting that deposit back. Well, we already referred to your lease and a lot of times your lease will have a move out checklist attached to it with some costs. So that, you know, whether that's mini blinds, cleanings, uh, you know, you name it, it's probably on there. And if it's not, I would recommend contacting your property provider and just saying, do you have a move out checklist or cost checklist for my move out? So just make that call, maybe make that when you give your notice, just so you're very clear on what it's going to cost you, what a fee structure looks like, especially if you get yourself in a bind for your time frame, because there'll be things that you leave undone. Of course, I'm recommending a professional cleaning if you can do it. Do your best job cleaning and then have it professionally cleaned. That's going to be one of the best ways to get your security deposit back. And it will probably be money and time well spent because you won't be scrubbing. Heck, you might want to be scrubbing your new home. Who knows how that's going? But some people like to clean before they move in, which is highly recommended. But that's just one way that you can try and ensure getting your security deposit back. Whether you need to professionally have your carpet cleaned or not, that again is going to be in your lease or a question that you should maybe be asking because they um, that, and that, they usually want a receipt to go with that yeah or they may only allow you to use certain companies or something along those lines so uh, specifically for carpet cleaning make sure that um, that you're communicating with your landlord about that and absolutely and just look over that list to make sure that you've got clear expectations and on your security deposit please do not anticipate using that security deposit for anything the day after you move out <laughs> because the rule and the law in Missouri is up to 30 days after you move out or after your notice of your 30 days. So whatever that date would have been, your property provider has up to 30 days to return those monies to you. So don't prepare to use those monies for anything within the 30 days of your move out. It's great. Sometimes people get them back the day of, but that is not the law and that is not usual. That's so saying, that's that's not very normal either. No, I'll do Having it. Having to if, wait some period. I mean, honestly, I do meet some people and it is just evident that they busted their booty to make sure that this was returned in a very clean, perfect, the oven is spotless, the refrigerator's spotless. They cleaned the windows. They put up new mini blinds. I'm just using these all as examples. And it's evident to me that they have knocked themselves out to try and do their best. I will give them the check right then and there. Sure. I will tell you that that is the exception, right. not the rule. And I will tell you that that only happens about one out of every five clients. Okay. So it's not very... Um, often that that happens where somebody has gone, they've gone over the top literally because that's who they are and that's fantastic. And I really, really appreciate that. So I'm trying to reward that with instant gratification because that's the kind of society we are here <laughs> these days, but also to give them that money so that if they were, because most of the time they're like, oh, you just saved me for whatever reason. Right. And I love to do that when I can do that. So uh, the last bit on that is um, try very hard when you're getting ready to move out to have, if you can have somebody from the property management company or the landlord do a walkthrough with you. So, And if you can't have that, or maybe in addition to that, uh, as you're leaving the apartment, you've got a phone, do a video of it. And that way- Yes, videos, photos. I recommend those um, for- 
move in, in too, yeah. and move out. Yeah, so absolutely. a little piece of education if you're moving in, a quick video um, along with some photos uh, through an email or, or whatever. I absolutely love those. So do that. And then make sure you do the same uh, leaving if you cannot right. um, be or, present. Or in addition. Yeah. yeah, in addition. All right, let's shift now. Let's go to um, we, we've got all of this done. We've got our timing figured out. We used Eric or Jen or some other great realtor, and they uh, got us into this home. We've got the keys, all the machinations, and there are other podcasts talking about all those details, a whole five-part series on it. We're in the home, and now I want to just kind of point out a handful of things that would be good advice for any home buyer, certainly any first-time home buyer, but especially for people coming from apartments that have never owned a home or maybe weren't living in a home with their parents to observe some of these things. Um, the first is, and I'm just going to point this out because uh, I was I was taking a class with uh, some other realtors, and we were talking about this, and, and one of them came up with this great um, – uh, anecdote that had happened to her, which is the her apartment livers had gone in and she said, hey, you know, turn on the utilities and the utility information is in the seller's disclosure of which ones they need to turn on. And they get to the house and they've got no heat and they've got no hot water. And the issue was, is that they never called the gas company because they didn't realize that gas was, natural gas was a, a service that most homeowners, so they didn't even know to turn it on because they'd never had it anywhere before and it didn't occur to them. Even though it was, you know, written down, but I mean, this, this is the kind of thing. Right. You just want to think about those types of things. So just because you only have um, electric, for example, because a lot of uh, water will be paid at apartments. Mm -hmm. So right. you may You've got water, you still need your water, your electric. gas, and your electric. Now, sometimes you won't have to have all three of those again in a house. I have lots of well, houses that are just electric. electric but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, unless you're in a condo, and then maybe that is an Maybe the water provided. But as a rule, you know, you want to check gas, water, electric, sewer. Sewer, which may or may one. not be part of your water bill. Trash. Which may or may not. Like if you're in the city of Kansas City, trash is part of what you pay your earnings tax for. But in other and and you don't necessarily have to. When I was living in Green Valley for a while, the um, you know there were several different crash, trash companies, crash companies, trash companies, crash and, trash, and, and uh, you picked which one you wanted to use and you made arrangements with them. Yep. So uh, be sure you know what's going on with that as well. Uh, and then to say nothing of, and hopefully you've checked if it's important to you what internet service you can get, what television service you can get in the area. And don't forget your maintenance in your home because in a lot of apartments. Some of this has been provided. For example, they may have changed your furnace filter out for you. They may have done routine maintenance like this. In your home, these are going to be things that you want to pay attention to, whether that's changing the smoke detector battery, changing the furnace filter. You're going to want to educate yourself on that preventative maintenance. And if you've had a great home inspector like Brandon with APRO, he does a really good job going over that at the time of the inspection with a lot of the clients. Like, hey, these are things you'll watch for. Hey, here's where your main water shutoff is. That's a huge one, guys. Oh yeah. Know where your main water shutoff is. You may not have access to it in an apartment and you may not know where it is in your home, but educate yourself on where that is just in case there's a water emergency. Hey, as long as we're giving Brandon plugs, I also work with Mandy from APRO pro and she's awesome as well so uh no um uh the water shut off is a big deal um because if there's a water problem and water's pipes burst and water's pouring out of somewhere and you don't know where to turn it off you can always get to the main if you know where it is you also need to know where your um, um circuit breakers are 
where your circuit box is. And if you are uncomfortable, like, can I just flip these on and off? If you've never dealt with it, then you need to understand how that works. And uh, so that, that's important as well. I think we always tend to focus in on things like, do you have a mower? Do you have a weed eater? Do you have a leaf blower? Did your home come with blinds or are you going to need to be purchasing those blinds or curtains? Right. So um, uh, other things are um, to, to, to learn about if you have a fireplace. Um, is it wood burning? How often do I have to maintain the flue if it is uh, an insert? Um, is, is there a pilot light? Because they can get blown out pretty easily. And how do I light it? Uh, which is not really that big of a deal. But uh, all, all of those things are... Things that you can learn either from your home inspector or when you first move in or asking. Uh, I'm not saying that's necessarily in a realtor's repertoire, but um, I know how to light a pilot light, so I can show you, although it's pretty funny to watch me get down on the ground on one of those inserts. Um, because Eric's got a body made for radio. That's right. Body built for radio, <laughs> not for crawling around on the ground. Um, so, yeah, there's a there's a lot of things there that, that you need to kind of pay attention to that are different than living in an apartment. Um, and then uh, the other kind of the broader scope of that is in an apartment, if something went wrong, you, it was an easy phone call. Well, hopefully. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, if you were living in a good one, at least there was an easy call. It may not have been a good response, but there was a place to call if you had a maintenance issue. And now if your refrigerator, which may have come with the apartment, is on the fritz or if you're having that, so you need to- This becomes your responsibility and you need to think about who are your trusted list of providers. You know, if you've worked with us, we've usually got a trusted list of providers to give you so that we can help you with those problems. Um, Hopefully they don't occur, but you know- the inevitable always happens, right? Something goes out when you need it, and you just need to be prepared for that. So when people mention that home ownership is great, but it's also a responsibility, and there's going to be a lot more things to take care of, and you need to be aware of that and go in eyes wide open. So I think it's incredibly rewarding, incredibly fulfilling, and without a doubt, it's proven that it's great for your finances, but there, there is more work. And I think anything worth doing is. So, okay, well. You know, we should give our contact info out in case anybody has questions on this because we always give our guests contact info out, but we don't always give our contact info out, even though we hope they'd be able to find it. So I'll throw out my cell phone number in case you have questions about this process because I'm intimately familiar with it being a property provider. My phone number is 816-405-405. 2439. And you can always drop us a message on Facebook on our Dream Homes by Jen page or on Facebook at our Get Real KC page. And we will try and help you through this process. Absolutely. And uh, if you want to uh, contact the guy who's got the body built for radio, uh, my number is 816-301-4121. We're both licensed in Kansas and Missouri and would love to be able to help you with your real estate needs. That's call, call or text either of those numbers. Um, so we don't have sort of the, the craziest – we always end with a crazy story. So since you've done a lot more of this or I haven't done any of this apartment ownership, tell me, like, what's the craziest story? And I tell you what, let's just make it let, – let's, let's, uh, let's watch the accident as we drive by. What's the worst condition that somebody has left one of your homes in? Okay, so we used to have an apartment complex, and we sold it many years ago. But – There was a client in the apartment who had overflowed every single one of the toilets and then passed away. So 
I don't know exactly all the pieces. It was an older gentleman. And I don't know if he forgot how to flush the toilet or the water got shut off before he passed away. And he was just going to the restroom repeatedly in the toilets. But we ended up having to take the toilets out because there was no salvaging them at that point in time. And obviously the whole bathroom was a total atrocity. And the gentleman had passed away. So the fire department became involved and and all kinds of things. And I don't think he was there very long. The body luckily had not um, gotten the body odor yet, which my husband tells me is very distinct. He's a police officer. I've never had to smell a dead body in. Maybe I can live my entire life without smelling a dead body. That would be fantastic. However, the smell of feces was pretty overwhelming and uh, it wasn't very pleasant, but literally had to rip all of that out and uh, start afresh. But that's got to be the toilets like that was probably the grossest, weirdest, strangest, unbelievable thing I had ever seen. Because before that juncture in time, I really probably wouldn't have believed that that particular instance would happen. That with the water shut off, you can fill a toilet up with... To the point that it will overflow with, with poop? With refuse, yeah, mm. that it'll over... No, uh, no, it hadn't really occurred to me that that was probably a thing. <laughs> and we haven't owned that apartment complex now for 10 plus years, I was say, so it's been a while, if but... You're, if you're going to rent from Jen, don't have to worry about getting that place. She doesn't yeah, own no, it it's long gone. We don't own that apartment <laughs> complex anymore. It was a great experience, but uh, one that has been passed on to someone else. All right. Great story. Uh, Katie, I uh, hope this worked out good for you. And obviously, if you have any other questions, I know you've got a great realtor. But if for whatever reason you're not getting the answer you need from that person uh, or are timely or you just want to chat, give us a shout. Everybody else do exactly the same. Another great episode on Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.